Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of the AfriCast. Uh, apologies for last week, missing the lo- last week's uh, edition of the show. Uh, unfortunately, ESCOM decided that we were going to move to load shedding. And uh, I was definitely affected by that. And as I record this podcast, uh, <laughs> we couldn't we couldn't really record. So, yeah, apologies for that. But we are back this week and we do have electricity, touch wood. Um, there is no load shedding scheduled for the weekend, touch wood. Um, and hopefully we'll all have electricity. Joining me as always is Clinton Matos. Me chuckling in the back. Um, it's funny that we have to live our lives this way. It's, oh, I hope me saying there's no le- load shedding doesn't bring load shedding. <laughs> uh, you know, you laugh so you don't cry. Yeah. And of course, Robin Lee Shetty. How are you doing, Robin? Howdy. I'm hot as hell. Hot as hell, but you can at least put a fan on. Or well, I suppose we can't while we're recording podcast. I've also just switched my fan off. Um, yeah, load shedding during the summer months is particularly bad, at least for in, in my opinion, with the uh, the heat that summer brings with it. In winter, you can just go sit under a blanket, I guess. Dude. Yeah, but can't during summer, it's like, oh, I really need my fan or my aircon. And anyway, all right, let's let's dive straight into this week's version of the pod or edition i say version of the podcast like we have updated versions uh robin you've got an app for whistleblowers or some news about that bdo which is an accounting specialist firm but the i guess the range of services extend to kind of forensic elements for businesses and stuff like that uh but this week they launched a new whistleblower app it's called tip-offs it is available on most mobile marketplaces, so on the App Store for iOS, on the Play Store for Android, and also on the App Gallery for HMS. That's Huawei's uh, version of of things. Um, yeah, it's a new app that they are aiming to be used by whistleblowers that are trying to highlight corruption. Um, during the kind of presentation, they explained that the app is not just about uh, corruption in enterprise or corporate level, but also has potential applications as far as reporting bullying at, at a school or perhaps even in the workplace where there's a hostile, toxic environment, uh, sexual harassment as well. Um, they say that their app is completely anonymous, so no details are shared unless you want them to be shared with uh, BDO. Um, and they will kind of leverage their network of experts as far as uh, dealing with these kind of issues are concerned. They have some experience in that regard. And yeah, we have seen, uh, especially in the past few months, how uh, whistleblowers are, are treated in society, I guess. Uh, the adage that uh, snitches get stitches seems to apply to the world of business as well. And whistleblowing is, is a very, very risky thing to do. So an application like this does hold some value. It will be interesting to see how often it is used or and really whether or not it can be used as an application to highlight uh, major bouts of corruption. Um, so they uh, have launched it. It's available for you to download as on all those uh, marketplaces, as we mentioned. They're also looking at potentially extending it to being browser-based. But of course, uh, as this is trying to be as anonymous as possible, there are certain elements that still need to hash out there. But this is definitely an application and a platform that BDR are looking to build out over the next few years. And, and who knows, maybe we could see more kind of Francis Hagen's uh, South African versions of that kind of stepping forward and highlighting how big companies or even government are being corrupt and embezzling funds and doing all other kinds of nefarious uh, dealings. So the oh, only cool. thing I see here, Robin, is that there need, action needs to be taken. It's all good and well to have a platform, but there needs to be action taken against folks that have the whistle blown against them. And I don't know, maybe I'm just too negative after two weeks of load shedding, but I just don't see that happening, you know? Yeah, I hear you. I'm equally uh, cynical about these kind of things. Um, Often the whistleblower will come forward and somehow the issue gets very quickly squashed because yeah. there aren't really any teeth or any kind of appetite to kind of go after big companies, uh, palms get greased, all kind of things happen. So yeah, I hear what you're saying. Uh, but hopefully with a company like BDO kind of backing it, uh, there's, a, there's a bit more, I guess, a bark behind, or a bite behind the bark. Mm-hmm. That's it. Absolutely. So yeah, uh, we'll have a link to 
Robin's story, as always, at the bottom of this podcast. I think it's a good idea. Let me not take away from it. I think it's a good idea to have something like this. Um, but as I said, it's all about it's all about uh, the follow through. And unfortunately, in South Africa, there's usually five commissions of inquiry that happen before a hearing is heard, and then somebody decides, okay, well, we'll take them to court. So. Yeah. Uh, Clinton, you got some news about the worst decision YouTube has ever made. Oh, wow. That's a, that's a bold statement. So um, a while back, we were worried that the dislike button was going to be removed from YouTube entirely because they were doing some tests to that degree. But now they've come out and they said, um, going off of our feedback from those tests and using our own judgment, because that seems to be the only thing they care about at the end of the day, the dislike button will stay but the dislike number will be gone. So effectively, the dislikes won't be visible to the public. And it's such an odd implementation because people who upload videos can still actually see the number of dislikes through the YouTube studio backend. So it's not like that number doesn't exist anymore. It's not like YouTube doesn't track it anymore. It's just not visible to the public. It's it's such a bad decision, honestly. And the reasoning they gave us is just so paper thin. They said it's to reduce targeted dislike attacks and the impacts on creators. But I, I, I don't know. I spend a lot of time on YouTube every day. And I've never seen YouTube used like that. The dislike button used like that. The only time I go to a video and I see a lot of dislikes, it's because the creator either did something insane or because if you like looking up a guide, if you find a guide that has a lot of dislikes, it's fair to assume that they didn't actually create a guide that solves a problem or the thumbnail is misleading or the, um, not the headline, the, the video title is misleading and that's what the, the dislikes are. And YouTube even addresses this. They say down that um, we understand, I'm paraphrasing here, we understand that people use this um, to give advice to other viewers, kind of an an anonymous crowdsourced advice to say this video is bad, but we're just going to go ahead with it anyway. And it's just, it's so dumb. Uh, so the reason I say, yeah, yeah. sorry to jump in here, but the no, reason no, no, I no. say it's the worst decision they've made is that, like you say, the dislikes are still able to be seen by the creator. So, and the dislike button is still there for you to hit dislike. So, if a group of people decide that they are going to target a video with dislikes or a creator with dislikes, I mean, they're still going to do that. They are still yeah. able to do that. It is still going to negatively impact the creator's mental health if that is something that they, they struggle with. So essentially all YouTube is saying is that now you can't see the public facing dislikes. Yeah. Like if it's really that big of a problem, Google, remove the dislike button. Yeah, it's Simple such as a that. stupid thing because exactly. if somebody is getting into a frothy mob and they're going to go to a video and dislike it for nefarious purposes, even though I think there's a lot of reasons to properly dislike a video, um, do you think they're going to stop just because the number's not there? Nope. Do you think somebody who is in such a bad mental space that they think I'm going to go to this video and harass someone by disliking it, they're going to go and see there's no number and think, oh, I'm not going to dislike it. No, now, they're going to dislike it anyway. Yeah. I, I, I would actually think, and this is maybe alarmist or, you know, sliding, what's it called, a slippery slope argument, but I think because there's no number, people actually dislike stuff more mm -hmm. because they're not getting that instant feedback that the number went up. And it's so dumb. And YouTube has a, a frequently asked question section. And they actually talked about in 2018, there was a YouTube rewind that had the most dislikes of any video at the time. I don't know if it's still the most dislikes. It, dislike is. it, is, it is the still. Mm -hmm. And they even said in the FAQ that we didn't do this decision just because that our video <laughs> got so disliked. They brought it up by name three years later. Yeah. And they said, no, we're not doing it because of that. Like, then don't even bring it up. <laughs> no, it's totally not because of this, guys. Look somewhere oh else. It's like that kid in class who, like, I don't know, like someone calls them a funny name and they're like, oh, I don't, I don't even hear that name. I'm not even listening to you. What did you call me? Oh, I don't even know it. It's so, it's so funny. Yeah, question. YouTube is doing this in response to YouTube Rewind 2018. We have learned the hard way how it feels to get a lot of dislikes, and then there's a winky face. 
But no, this change is about protecting our creators, especially those smaller creators and channels just trying to get started on YouTube, which is such bullshit because it's an open, an open piece of knowledge that YouTube is like actively against small content creators and it's an uphill battle for small content creators. This is again one of those things where it's like thoughts and prayers for the people who are most affected by our bad policies. Man, it's so dumb. And yeah. another thing is... Uh, where's the thing here? Oh, this isn't about protecting small content creators. It's about protecting big brands. And that's also because sometimes a big brand will put a stupid advert on YouTube. Pepsi. Just into oblivion. <laughs> yeah, and now Coke with their flipping World of Warcraft <laughs> advert. Um, and they say, no, that's not what it's about either. Again, it's about content creators. Oh, my God. Um. Robert, do you, you guys think something? that um, yeah? Do you guys think that YouTube will do an about turn on this one? Yes, I think they'll get rid of the dislike button entirely at some point. All right. uh, it's just too much work for them to keep up this facade. Uh, I think first they'll take away the dislike number in the um, YouTube Studio in the YouTube. What's that? Back yeah, Creator Studio. Creator Studio. Creator Studio. They'll get rid of that number, and then they'll say, "But we tracking it privately on our own servers," and then they'll just get rid of the button. You know, a thing I really like about YouTube is that it has dislikes because a lot of content creators, big content creators who have millions of dollars do a lot of dumb BS and they should be downvoted and disliked. And now they're getting rid of that. Um, oh, and the other thing I, I, um, I wanted to mention here is that, uh, oh yes, it's an open secret that a lot of um, content creators do bad things with their videos to get dislikes. And the reason for that is this is an open secret that YouTube doesn't talk about. Dislikes still count as engagement on a video. So a video with lots of dislikes will get recommended to more people because clicking on dislike is a form of engagement. Yeah. And according to YouTube's algorithm, that's a good thing. So I, if they came out and they said in this that some a lot of channels are misusing our algorithm by making bad content that gets disliked, to game the system and that's why we're getting rid of dislikes i would have said yes that actually makes sense good on you because this algorithm that's made by a machine is becoming unknowable to us humans that's a good move on your part youtube but no they they're telling us bs they're putting up a smoke screen thoughts and prayers it's all nonsense um check out my story it has a link and there's lots of choice quotes in there which you can roll your eyes at mm. Come on, YouTube. You've been doing this for so many years now. Get it right. Uh, yeah, to, to answer your question, Robin, I do think that they will roll this back uh, based on maybe not user feedback, but uh, analytical data maybe. Yeah, I don't know how they're going to see that, but yeah, I, I just think it's a really stupid stupid idea. But anyway, moving on. Um the International Space Station has been the subject of uh, news for the past couple of weeks. Well, rather NASA and its bid to get astronauts astronauts to and from the International Space Station. So uh, Mission Crew 2, uh, also known as Endeavour, splashed down this week off the Gulf of Mexico. Um, a little bit later than the crew was meant to. Uh, we'll get to why in a second. Um, this crew, which uh, consisted of Shane Kimbrough, uh, Megan MacArthur, Akido Hoshide, and Tomé Piquet, uh, sorry, it's a French name, um, completed a 198-day trip to the International Space Station uh, this week. It is the longest trip to the International Space Station yet. Um, they finally splashed down off of the uh, coast of Mexico. Um, something that's a little bit odd to note is that the toilet uh, on the capsule that they returned back to Earth in was not working. It's a SpaceX Crew Dragon capsule, um, which you might remember the Inspiration4 mission after the mission had concluded that it was discovered that there was a leak in the toilet. Um, this seems to be the same thing, but because this craft was attached to the uh, International Space Station at the time that the issue was discovered, uh, they couldn't really fix it at the International Space Station. So instead, um, NASA and SpaceX said that you that the crew shouldn't use the toilet. So uh, four astronauts returned to Earth wearing adult diapers, um, which I'm sure wasn't really comfortable. It was a 22-hour journey back to Earth. 
Um, a really, really crazy long journey. Um, but during that time, they did take a 360-degree photo of the International Space Station. Uh, NASA hasn't released those images yet. Hopefully, we'll get to see them soon. Um, but yeah. Uh, so the reason that this uh, mission took so long to get back to Earth was because of delays to the Crew-3 mission, which is dubbed Endurance. Um, that mission was delayed twice, once by weather and then another time by uh, a minor medical issue. NASA still hasn't said what that minor medical issue is, likely because it's minor and doesn't really affect much. Uh, but that uh, mission launched or launched from uh, Florida this week, uh, on Thursday actually, and the crew arrived at the space station in the wee hours of this morning. Uh, they managed to dock with the, the, the space station as SpaceX has now gotten really really good at this um the four astronauts on board are uh raja kari uh tom marshburn caleb barron and then matthias mara from the european space agency uh they join mark van der Heij and then russian cosmonauts anton sharkaplarov and peter dubrov um yeah and they will be spending they will be at the space station until april 2022 when crew four mission is scheduled to arrive at the space station um so this crew will be conducting experiments as all crew who go to the international space station do um i think it's about 200 experiments that they'll be conducting at their time and during their time at the space station um so yeah Everything seems to be working well now and flowing properly at the International Space Station. Um, but yeah, it was a bit touch and go there for a while. Sorry? Choice, uh, choice uh, use of words there. Everything's flowing properly. Yeah. Well, I mean, it should be. Hopefully everything is flowing properly. Uh, uh, in terms of the crew, I can't speak too much about what's happening on the actual space station because I'm not there. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's really notable, though, that sp uh, SpaceX has really just nailed this whole process. Uh, to a point where it, it kind of feels ho-hum now. Uh, oh, SpaceX launched a rocket, landed the rocket, and managed to get a capsule to the International Space Station safely. Um, obviously, this is not something that is simple. It's required years of research and and development. Um, but I think it, it's notable how, how easily SpaceX is doing these things now, obviously with help from NASA. But yeah, so uh, that's what's happening with the International Space Station at the moment. A uh, bit touch and go there for the last couple of weeks, but everything is everything is operating as it should be. Right, let's get into the the topic of discussion for this week, which is quite frankly component shortages. Uh, with Christmas just around the corner and the festive season also just around the corner. Apologies for saying Christmas. I know some folks don't celebrate Christmas. Uh, uh, force of habits slip of the tongue uh, but the festive season is coming and if you are looking for some gifts um you might want to start looking uh, maybe reconsidering if the gifts are technology related um this week we got news about the forthcoming st steam deck apologies uh and while we don't know whether the steam deck will be available in south africa at I mean, in the near future, uh, a delay is notable. Clinton, you covered this story. So, so what's the what's the four one one on the Steam Deck? So, uh, when Steam opened up the first batch of not pre-orders, but you could set uh, one unit aside, you could kind of put your hand up and say, "I'm going to buy one of these." Um, they said that it would be coming out in December, and now they've said, "Sorry, guys, we're not going to make December." They've said that there's going to be a two-month delay and the first batch is going to come out in February. But it also means that um, the people who are in the other batches who were going to go out in the beginning of the first quarter of 2022 will also have a two-month delay. So those who are getting it in later months, um, you're also affected by this. It isn't now just the people who are getting it in December. And they put out a statement, and again, it is component shortages. I'm going to give a quote here. We're sorry about this. We did our best uh, to work around the global supply chain issues, but due to material shortages, components aren't reaching our manufacturing facilities in time for us to meet our initial launch dates. Based on updated build estimates, Steam Deck will start shipping to customers February 2022. So... A lot of people were getting a bit worried because uh, Valve put out the the pre-orders very early and then people ordered and the orders went through. But then there's been 
a noticeable time of radio silence from them. And some people started to get antsy that there was going to be a delay. And Shrewsbob, there was a delay. So uh, like Brendan said, that these aren't available in South Africa. But when they did go for the initial pre-orders, which was in, sorry, this is just loading, uh, 16th July. That's when they first announced this and they said you could buy it. Um, they did say that next year when we open up more pre-orders, they will be in other territories. The first um, orders were only for the US, the UK, EU, and Canada. So we're obviously not included. And they really put in some harsh restrictions for like account spoofing and forwarding and stuff like that to make sure sculptors couldn't scoop these up. So even if you are someone in another country who wants to get one of these on kind of like the gray market, um, they really stopped you from doing that. I'm sure you can get a really sculpt one on on eBay, but I'm just saying that if you're not in those supported territories, they do not want you getting these. So the Steam Deck, not coming this year. And I would say when we talk about these other things, we are going to say they're missing out on this holiday season, but I don't think that's really the case because... Valve has already accepted the pre-orders for all of these, and I don't think anyone is waking up in like late November or early December and saying, oh, I need to get a Steam Deck as a present for someone or a present for myself. So I'm sure this won't affect their bottom line. It's more that it affects the customers. And it's noticeable as well because this is all powered by a Zen 2 AMD APU. So... AMD is one of the, the companies that is very heavily affected by this, and we'll talk about AMD later, um, because to pass off the, the buck here, um, Robin's also going to talk about the PS5, and it's worth notice, um, mentioning, noticing, that both the PS5 and the uh, Xbox One X and the Xbox One S are all also powered by a, uh, AMD. They could be in Series S and Series X. Or what did well, I say? I mean, all, you said... Uh... One S and one X. Oh, okay. Flipping out. I, you I know mean, te- technically, they that, are still both powered by AMD. Technically. That is, that is my fault, but the naming <laughs> of these consoles is absolute trash, Microsoft. It's really bad. Why couldn't you just go Xbox One, two, three? It's so dumb. Um, so it's half my fault, half your fault. Um, Robin, what's happening with the PS5s? Because a lot of people want those things. <laughs> Yes, so the PlayStation 5, which, uh, as Sony tweeted out earlier today, is celebrating its one-year anniversary. Oh, wow. Uh, We'll be having our one-year-later review uh, out next week. Keep an eye out for that if you're interested in such things. Um, Yeah, so a Bloomberg report earlier this week confirmed that the company is suffering from component shortages, as are many across the globe. Um, We saw in the kind of early days of the pandemic that Sony tried to temper expectations as far as how many PS5s would be shipped across the globe. Uh, and we saw that play out uh, during the first few months of its release last year, that there was an initial kind of flurry as far as pre-orders and um, deliveries went. And then that quickly dried up as smaller batches started entering the country. We saw almost whenever something was tweeted out, about two or three minutes later, uh, they're already sold out. Yeah. Uh, whether that's bots scalping or whatever's happening, there's clearly obviously high demand but low availability. Um, and that's set to continue uh, for the next few months. Um, so for the financial year for Sony, which ends in March of 2022, uh, they're on track to ship around about 15 million units. They had to kind of revise the predictions as far as that's concerned. And for next year, uh, financial year, they're predicting roughly 22 million units will be shipped. Um, but that also would likely have to be uh, revised. As we mentioned, AMD and other component manufacturers have given Sony word that uh, they will not be able to meet demand and that they have to adjust their uh, predictions and their reporting accordingly. So unfortunately, Sony hasn't come forward to say explicitly that uh, you can't, you won't be able to get to purchase as many PS5 during the festive season as you may want to. Um, again, they're probably bad for business if they had to say that. Uh, but sources close to the project uh, have told Bloomberg that that is indeed the case. And that, yeah, uh, if you do, for some instance, find uh, one available for pre-order, you should likely snap it up very quickly. That said, you're going to want to have to keep an eye out for scams because... As we have seen with other high in-demand uh, electronics, 
uh, scammers and hackers and all kinds of nefarious people will try and take advantage of that. So that's just also something to keep an eye out for during the festive season. If it is too good to be true, it probably is. So, um, yeah, if you were eyeing up the PS5 for Christmas, uh, little Timmy is going to open up his PS5 on Christmas morning. Uh, probably not going to happen. Yeah, and uh, it's something that we're noting as well is that I don't think there's that many bots in, well, there's lots of scalpers, but I don't think that there's that many bots in South Africa. I really think that there's just such a demand for not only the PS5, but also the Xbox One X. And I want to mention that now, I, I went to a store this weekend, which is something I don't usually do, last weekend, and I saw quite a few Xbox One S's um, available. Do you mean Series so, S or One Series S? Oh my God, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> my brain is so fine. Okay. The Series S, which is the next slash current gen, the less powerful version, I saw those available for sale. So there are some consoles you can buy, but the PS5 and the Series X are the two most desirable, and they are being snapped up immediately. And South Africa is really a PlayStation country. It is the most popular console by an absolutely huge margin, and those are going so fast. So for the Xbox One X to also be sold that fast, it just shows how little stock there is in a country like South Africa that even Xbox is selling, well, I wouldn't say they're selling well, but we don't really know how many consoles at any one time are becoming available because mm. if a store is getting five consoles and those five consoles are selling, it's not really an indication that those are big sales. <laughs> it's just five consoles. So, yeah, every single manufacturer is feeling it and we haven't mentioned nintendo because nintendo is in a weird spot they actually use nvidia hardware um as their apu in the switch but um the new oled oled uh, nintendo switch is completely sold out in the country right now or who is the distributor for the console um sent out a newsletter the other day saying we're going to get more stock Someday, we don't know when, all we can do for you is to put your name down and we'll email you when it becomes available. And if you go look on all the stores, all the third-party retailers, the OLED switch is sold out. Now, again, when that was coming out, called didn't say to us as a publication, they said to the customers in general, we are getting a very small amount and pre-order now if you want one. And to their credit the people who pre-ordered got and the people who didn't, didn't. And that's what they said was going to happen. So it's not just the consoles that are using AMD hardware. It's also uh, uh, Nintendo with NVIDIA. Now, that being said, I think you can still buy a regular Nintendo Switch and a Nintendo Switch Lite. But again, it's the most sought-after higher-end hardware that's completely sold out. And that's also going to bring us, talking about extremely high-end hardware, Brendan, you and I are PC guys, yeah. and my God, is it a bad time to be a PC guy. It well, is very I'd bad. It's a very good time if you already have uh, one and you already subscribe to Game Pass, because that's a massive, <laughs> a massive value add. Um, so just while we talk here, one of the biggest companies when you talk about um, gaming PC stuff in South Africa is EveTech. I want to look up quickly how much is the cheapest in-stock graphics card you can buy from EveTech. Do you guys um, have... Like, just throw me a number, do you think? So, I'm, I actually have it open at the moment. You can pick up a 1050 <laughs> Ti for 3999, um, but that's a 1050 Ti, which I don't think anybody it's, really wants. So, and yeah, the, the cheapest... Okay, so the cheapest one I saw... Yeah, those ones are... Okay, let's see what's the cheapest RTX graphics card, right? Oh, that's like 12K <laughs> roundabouts. So the, the cheapest one is the 3060. Yeah. Um, 3060 Ti, 3060 Ti. Well, here's an RTX 2060 for 10.999. So, I mean, I think that's the, the cheapest. Okay, wait. So let's just use that. Let's just say 10 grand, right? Yeah. The recommended retail price of a what? An RTX 2060. 2060. Not the super. No, no, not the super. Okay, the MSRP, MSRP of a 2060 is $350, right? $350. Sorry, you're going to get typing. Is 5,000 rand. <laughs> Even yeah. if you do tax and you say it's like 6,500, that's still dangerously close to double the price. Now, we're in a very weird place in South Africa where retailers have the stock, 
but it's they are I have to be careful with my wordage here because I could get sued for defamation here. In South Africa, you can buy these graphics cards, no problem. But the pricing is so ridiculous, so astronomical, that it might, may as well be a third-party seller trying to, you know, absolutely fleece you. So um, so to give you uh, some, some context to everybody very quickly, um, I purchased a, an AMD Radeon RX 5600 XT um, last year at around about this time. Um, and that card cost me, I will tell you right now, because it, uh, it it wasn't cheap. Um, oh, hang on, I lie. It was it was six and a half grand, right? It was that's, that's a fantastic price. Fantastic price. It's double what we would have expected to pay. So if I wanted to foreseeably upgrade my graphics card, I would probably go for the RX 6600 XT, which has just been released. And that card... Retails for nine and a half thousand rand. Now I understand it's a newer card, but it's still like two grand over what I paid for a similar card. I use that in quotation marks because they aren't similar, but they are going from fifty six hundred to sixty six hundred XT. They they are the same, right? They're in the yes. same they're in the same boxing class. So for me to now want to upgrade my card, uh, which isn't an upgrade really, because I'm still playing in the same level. Uh, I might get a few more, a, a slight performance boost. Uh, I now need to fork out an extra two and a half grand, which just seems a bit extreme from my end. Yeah. Um, like I understand that there are, I could, there are alternatives. Like I said, oh, you can get a 1050 Ti for how much was it? Four grand. But yeah, what I want that's to do with a gaming it. PC, that's a really bad card for that that money. Yeah, I mean, you can get a Nintendo Switch for that. You can probably get a, a decent used one for that price. And I don't want to get into console versus PC because the flip side of that is then you'll be paying a thousand rand for each game you play mm -hmm. on Switch, which, again, we've had this conversation before. I don't want to get into it. I do want to give you guys my experience because I have uh, an RX 5080, right? Yeah. And that's, it's, it, it, it's an old card, but when I bought it, it was a very decent middle-of-the-road graphics card. And for... More than a year, or I can't remember how long I used it as my main rig, but it was the a 1080p, very comparable card. Whatever I asked it to do, it did. And uh, this was, uh, I'm just trying to find my order number here because I think it was in 2019 before the pandemic. Right? Now, this card, again, this is a mid-range card. I paid 2,500 Rand for it, right? 2,500 Rand is a very good price. And on top of that, it's still higher than the overseas pricing. So even though I did, quote, unquote, pay over the um, the price, I uh, just want to get, yeah, it was in around May, middle to late 2019, right? This was a very good deal. And it's what you could expect for a middle, a mid-range car, right? Yeah. 2,500 Rand. The Radeon RX 58 8 gig version I've seen selling on the second hand market for 8,000 Rand. The second hand card from three years ago has gone up in value. And PCs are very much like cars. As soon as they're old, they lose all their value. Well, not all, they lose a lot of their value. And the mid range cards, especially, lose a lot of value because. The high range cards can sometimes keep their value better just because people buy them. And then like three years later, if you bought, I think uh, our coworker, um, Dion, he bought a GTX 1080 when those were very expensive. But mm. when he bought them, they were like 10,000 Rand. And a GTX 1080 is like a 15, 20,000 Rand card now in the secondhand market. And on top of that, the GTX 1080 is still very good for 1080p gaming. So even though when he told me he bought that, I was like, damn, that's a lot of money to spend on a card, right? But now that's a fantastic deal. He's like Nostradamus. He, for, he didn't actually foresee that we're going to be in a pandemic and a worldwide. <laughs> but he made a move that in retrospect was extremely prudent. And it's absolutely ridiculous to say spending more than most people earn in a month on a graphics card three years ago was a prudent move. And that's what's happened to PC gaming. It's become, I don't want to be overblown here, but it's become so mutated and degenerate that 
saying spending 10 grand three years ago on a 1080 was a prudent move. And it really betrays the fact that PC gaming, whether by intention from the manufacturers or by coercion by the, uh, by the market, has always been seen as the, the budget-orientated way to play games. And now again, that goes into the cost of the games themselves. This week, um, you could get like a 160 Rand voucher from Epic Game Store. And Epic Game Store has been giving out thousands of rands of games. And you can get 90% off a lot of titles that cost more than 2,000 Rand. Or not. That's all a conversation for another day. But the cost of the hardware is the barrier to entry. And a lot of people don't consider that in these conversations where... Sure. How much is a PS5, Robin? Fifteen grand, right? Uh, thereabouts. Uh, if you're going for the 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 disc version, the physical disc yeah. version. You cannot get a PC right now that can perform as well as a PS5 or an Xbox Series X for fifteen thousand. You just can't unless you do some illegal things like just steal one. But <laughs> that, that's not what we're talking about. In the past, it has been possible to build a PC that compete with consoles. That conversation gets a bit icky because you could do it in America usually with used parts, but you couldn't really do it in South Africa. Again, that's a, it's a big conversation. It's impossible now, even in America. Hmm. The PS5 and their Series X can both do 4K and they can both do 4K at high frame rates. You can't even get a decent 1080p graphics card for 10,000 Rand. 15,000, maybe you can get like a 3060 or a 3060 Ti. So, take a lot has a Xbox Series X one terabyte uh, in stock in Johannesburg right now. So if you're listening to that and you're looking for an Xbox Series X, uh, go to take a lot. Um, it, it's retailing for 17999 So I'm just looking very quickly on um, EveTech. For seventeen triple nine, I can get an RTX thirty seventy, and that's just the GPU. Yeah, that, that's just the, big the GPU. People talk about it. I've seen this this conversation happen before. They're like, oh, for the price of console, even with the sculpt high prices, you can get a GPU. And I'm like, yeah, okay, but what about the rest of the PC? Yeah. And again, that's a whole conversation where another benefit of PCs that you don't need to upgrade the whole system every time. Um, if I get another graphics card or whatever, I'm just going to get. Uh, I'm sorry, if I want to upgrade my system, the biggest thing holding me back is the GPU. So I can just upgrade the GPU and that's a benefit of PC gaming. You can upgrade things piecemeal. And now we're going to DDR5 RAM and you can upgrade just your motherboard and your CPU and your RAM and you can keep the other part of your system. And you can buy a decent power supply and a decent power supply can last like 15, 20 years. Again, that's it's, it's a whole big conversation. We're just talking about certain aspects of PC gaming now and how it's become so dire and just how sad it is really. So well, so I just I just want to jump in here. I'm talking yeah. a lot. Sorry. So the thing the thing that I want to just mention is like I know some people are gonna answer that question with the about the uh, oh what about the rest of the computer? Oh well I'll just get a a cheap CPU and a cheap motherboard. Mm. If you say that and you think that you're going to have a good experience gaming, I'm here to tell you that you will not. I have been through that process of, oh, I'll get a better CPU and motherboard when I have the money. And the problem is, is that you never actually have the money. <laughs> you think you will, but you don't really. And you are stuck with this board. And the thing is that like a decent processor, right? So I know, let, let's stick with AMD here because it's, it's kind of just keeping with the times. So if you wanted a 5700G, uh, which contains onboard graphics, that's... Four or five thousand four hundred and ninety-nine rand. So let, let's call it five and a half grand. Plus, then you need the motherboard that fits that, um, and that, that's another what, like five, six grand, depending on the motherboard that you get. Then you need the RAM. Then you need the storage. Then you need a power supply, which are ridiculously expensive at the moment. You then need yeah. a case, and if you think that you're going to cheap out on a case. Don't yeah. do that. It's a bad you idea. You can't keep out on a power supply because then you'll just start a fire. Exactly. So, I mean, there's all these things that make it so ridiculously expensive and it just makes no sense. And having played on an Xbox Series X now, like I'm converted. I used to be the, I'm only going to game on a PC. 
And there are some benefits to that, right? Like you have mouse and keyboard, you have the ability to install mods, all that sort of stuff. But that argument's slowly losing favor when it's, I mean, like, are mods really that important to you? Well, if they're not, then a console is really good. But there are some games that allow modding through consoles. Um, I know Fallout has something to that effect. Like, there I are ways to... The games. There are ways to to have that experience on a console in 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 a manner of speaking. I just I, I don't see the value proposition for a PC anymore, a desktop PC. I mean, even if we go, if you want a, a PC, like if somebody comes to me right now and says, "Oh, what should I build a desktop computer?" I'm gonna say no, rather get a console. If they say they want, they definitely want a PC. I'm gonna recommend a gaming notebook which is something else I probably wouldn't have done a couple of years ago. So, so I just want to add here quick, the reason Brendan is talking about that is because the, the market got so twisted up that for a while, the biggest problem was that the graphics cards were very expensive. Yeah. But the other components were still relatively the same price as you'd expect. So what people started doing is buying um, pre-built computers, which are when... Um, companies like Dell and Acer and also some uh, boutique makers like iBike Power and some of the other. I'm not too familiar with the names because there's not a big market of those in South Africa where those pre-built systems were traditionally bad value because you could get those components cheap on your own. Now, because of the component shortage, you can't. So what people are doing is, they call it shucking. <laughs> you buy a pre-built PC and shuck the GPU and then sell that off um, and make a profit, basically. Mm. Then what happened is that every market caught up with these things. Um, the prices of all the other PC components, once the available stock ran out, the new ones that replenished the stock were also priced extraordinarily high. The companies who were selling pre-built also raised their prices, and now laptops are one of the few time or one of the few bastions where you can get a decently priced full gaming system. And in the past, saying that you should buy a gaming PC to save money was just something you never did because it just it wasn't true. <laughs> yeah. It just was never good value unless the, the only people who would buy gaming laptops are people who had more money than cents or someone who had a very niche use case where they needed a lot of power in a small computer. And that market existed and keeps on existing. I don't know how it had such niche, weird use cases, but now it's gaining prominence as again one of the few places to get graphics cards. Um, one more thing I just want to mention I, I do want to get Robin's opinion on all of this is that um, Xbox is worth talking about because of Game Pass. Because, like I've said, the big thing that PC had over consoles is that you didn't have to pay a thousand, a thousand two hundred, a thousand five hundred rand for a game because we had better localized pricing for PC. Mm. Um, but now Game Pass has made that a very different conversation for Xbox because now instead of spending a thousand rand on one game, you can spend a thousand rand and get a year's worth of games. So again, when like Brendan said, if someone comes to you and they say they want to get into gaming, they want a PC, the Xbox. Um, suggestion becomes even better because then they don't need to be locked into that ecosystem. Mm. The, the big factor about buying a console or buying a PC is that if you went PlayStation or Xbox or Nintendo, all the games you bought were locked into that system. So it created a lot of hesitancy and a lot of brand loyalty. But now, if someone came to me and they said they want to get into gaming, my advice would usually be to get an Xbox, either a Series X or a Series S, and then just play all your games through Game Pass. Mm. And if the market improves, then you can switch over to PC and put your games there. And uh, I do want to write like a proper article about this at some point. Um, I'm waiting until next year where hopefully the market becomes a little more stable. Mm. But that has kind of become the prevailing wisdom where Game Pass has also thrown a big span into the works. It's so weird because for such a long time, PC was kind of not dormant, but it was it was predictable how things were going to go. And then AMD shook things up with the whole Ryzen series. And then there was the component shortage. And Microsoft made games, the value of games, completely haywire with Game Pass. You know, it's uh, it's been exciting times, but also not the best. <laughs> uh, Robin, what is nonsense? Because I know you're staunchly a console gamer, but hearing all of this and hearing the prices, what do you think about all this lunacy? 
So, uh, as I like to say when it comes to my loyalty being questioned, these colors don't run. Um, <laughs> but that being said, and I probably should have told you guys this, but uh, we had a desk drop this week uh, from Premier Interactive for Forza Horizon 5 that came out uh, last week. Uh, you can check out the review if you want. In that desk drop, there was a little Hot Wheels toy, which is thanks for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but more importantly, there's three months worth of free Game Pass. So I'm going to try it out and see what it's like. Yeah, um, I know you really want to play uh, Age of Empires 4. <laughs> yes. But I think more to the kind of point of this conversation around uh, the, the cost of hardware at the moment, um, I'm in a very fortunate position where we've been given a PS5 on long loan for the local distributor for PlayStation in South Africa. Mm. If that wasn't the case, I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't have my hands on a PS5 right now. And I think, and it, it's not for lack of trying. It's just simply... Uh, what the situation is right now. So, as as far as kind of hardware goes and spending money goes right now, I think there is there will always be appetite for people that want to spend money. But it, the situation right now is that you simply can't get your hands on anything. I don't foresee it changing anytime soon. I mean, mm. the PlayStation, us, the Bloomberg report was kind of advising that uh, even into. Uh, next year, next financial year, which will end in March 2023, PlayStation need to scale back their their estimations as, as far as shipping units. So, we could be dealing with this issue uh, not only this festive season, but next festive season, yeah. and potentially even the festive season after that. So, it it's becoming increasingly difficult to, uh, I guess showcase your love for consumer electronics uh, when things are so difficult to get hands on. You see, yeah, a lot of uh, sorry. I just want to say that a lot of reports are saying that the problems are going to continue until, through twenty twenty two, and you should only start getting hopeful in twenty twenty three, which is bonkers. So, so here's a concern I have at the moment um, with all of this talk of delays and stuff. We're seeing a lot more developers uh, creating games specifically for the current gen consoles, um, or next gen, current gen, whatever we want to call them, the PlayStation Five and Xbox Series series. Um, we're seeing a lot of games that are being developed specifically for those consoles. Uh, And I wonder if that is going to maybe slow down or whether it's not going to be as widespread given that there are these shortages. Um, Because, I mean, it doesn't help if you release Elden Ring on a PlayStation 5 exclusively and there's five people that can play your game. Um, obviously, I'm being extreme here. I'm not saying that there are only five Elden Ring fans before you come at me. Um, but I'm saying that they're, comparatively speaking to the last gen of consoles, I'm, I'm sure there are more out in the wild than there are current gen, which also then begs the question why like people like CD Projekt Red have just just failed with uh, Cyberpunk 2077 and uh, old gen consoles. Um it's just something that I'm, I'm thinking about in the back of my mind is whether this will impede game releases more, uh, especially games that, such as God of War Ragnarok, which uh, is a PlayStation 5 exclusive. Am I, am I wrong there? Um, no. At uh, this stage it is. And yes. I think that's going to be a... Yeah, I, I don't see that changing, especially given like the uh, the PlayStation 5 version of God of War getting such critically acc- acclaimed reviews because it looks so good. Um, I don't foresee uh, Santa Monica going backwards and and sticking with the PlayStation 4. I stand to be corrected, and hopefully that they don't only release exclusively for PlayStation 5. But this, I I wonder if it's going to have an effect on the development cycle of these games, uh, and not just uh, God of War, but also things like Horizon Forbidden West. All of these other games, like we've seen delays from these titles, but. I mean, as a developer, surely you want your game to release in to the widest audience possible. You want to make as much as money as possible. Absolutely. I mean, that, end that's of the day, what, it, it's yeah. a company. You want to make the most sales. <laughs> and also, yeah. the great thing about games, for better or for worse, is that nowadays most people are buying online. You, you're not limited by printing discs or cartridges. Yeah. So, while the hardware to play these games is becoming more and more scarce, the games themselves are functionally infinite. Yeah, so it's it's a it's a really weird time we're in at the moment because I think we've reached a point in technology where 
like or especially game related technology where things are probably the best they've ever been. I mean, the fact that you can buy a console that can run games at 4K, 60 FPS. I, if you asked me two years ago if that was going to be possible, I would have laughed in your face. Yeah. Um, but now, I mean, there's a little box that's half, a quarter of the size of my PC, probably even a, an eighth the size of my PC, and it performs way better than my computer ever will. I mean, it's it's a great time to be a gamer, but right now it's a it's also the worst time because getting your hands on the equipment is is really really tricky, uh, especially if you're a PC gamer. Or, yeah, if you want something new, I just it, it's a really weird time, you know, like and with Bloomberg saying that we're going to see this for the next financial year, I mean, should should Xbox should Microsoft and Sony have waited delayed the launch of these consoles robin what do you think um i don't know if they would have uh, as we saw with cd project red um these decisions were made at boardroom level mm-hmm. and uh the boardroom want to ensure that they meet specific uh deadlines within quarters and when your competition is releasing their console you sure as hell better bet that we're going to release ours so yeah that wouldn't have changed in my view and again i think the pa- pandemic has thrown everyone for a loop. You can't really predict that kind of thing. Clinton, what do you think? Yeah, I, um, I think that the plans for both consoles were in the works before the pandemic ever happened. So they couldn't put the brakes on the train mm. because before the public ever has the notion that a new console exists, prototypes are already with developers to make games and you've already signed contracts for the ram and the the body and you've already contracted out tooling from china and all of that so when the pandemic hit microsoft and sony can't just say whoa whoa whoa, put the brakes on all of this because we might not get parts um because things were already in motion you can't back out of these multi-billion dollar contracts um even with even if the company you signed that with has some sympathy for you and the pandemic and also like robin said because they're in competition if uh sony backed down and said we're not going to make a ps5 microsoft would have swooped in and taken all that amd stock and put it into their consoles yeah and vice versa so, as well i mean it's so Xbox many delayed. issues it's so many issues and so many people and companies and contracts involved that they could have never put the brakes on it and it's the same thing happening with the GPU where a lot of people make the joke that these graphics cards are coming out in theory only. They say they call it a paper launch where mm. product exists exists on paper only but doesn't exist in the real world. And that's because um, AMD and NVIDIA put all the stock into making these GPUs, but then they can't just come out and say we're canceling it. So yeah. instead, they just have extremely low stock. And that's the problem we're dealing with now. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And I think that's a really important point you raised about the uh, the, the plans for these consoles being uh, and contracts being signed long in advance, way before the public even knows about it. And you're 100% right there. You can't just say to somebody who you've signed a billion-dollar order with probably, say, oh, well, you know what? We're not going to take it anymore because they'll just find somebody else to sell to and more often than not, it will be your competition. Yeah, and um, I wouldn't be surprised if I know we we're running over time here, but I wouldn't be surprised if both, well, all three console manufacturers aren't already thinking about the next generation of consoles. Oh, so absolutely. It's not like as soon as you know a console is halfway into its lifespan, the powers that be are like, okay, fellas, uh, start planning the next one. No, the the plans are always in motion to keep this giant machine running. Mm. Otherwise, if you stop and catch your breath and see what the market is like, you're going to get left behind. So all of these people are thinking a decade in advance, probably, or they're trying to think a decade in advance. And the problem with doing that is that you, uh, you, know, you can't see the woods from the trees. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a bit of a curveball into the conversation here. Um, what do we think about mobile gaming, and is it a, is it a viable alternative or viable way to get your gaming fix? Uh, let's start with you, Robin. Um, it's really and I, I, I say this is a, a curveball because I don't think any of us play any mobile games in a meaningful capacity. Yes, uh, I'm not into it at all, to be fair. Um, but that being said, I understand it's a huge market. Uh, I know Nintendo is throwing a bit of weight behind it in particular. Um, but for me, you're, you're dealing with now too wide a breadth of hardware. 
um, to ensure mm. a solid solid experience. Unless Fair point. unless you're gonna say it's purely for flagship devices that are running X Y Z Snapdragon hardware, mm. um, it's yeah. I think you limit yourself in that regard. And and again, the cynical side of me always sees mobile gaming as a vehicle for microtransactions. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't think it'll ever overtake or will swallow up any of the kind of space that's left over as a result of uh, issues on the console or PC gaming side of things. For me, the best experience is on a console or PC. It's not on a, on a smartphone. I think you can get really great experiences, um, but they will never uh, upset what is currently available. Tristan, your thoughts? Yeah, so I do play a mobile game, but I, I play it on PC, but I'm going to just ignore that part because <laughs> it, is, it will it will be available on uh, on PC. And that's like, I play the Pokemon trading card game and that has an app and it doesn't have the best. I actually play it on PC because the support is so bad, it doesn't work on my phone, but that's getting a replacement that will work on almost all phones. So I'm just going to talk about it from that point of view and say, if you like a certain kind of game, then the the phones and the tablets can be very compelling as a gaming device. And also, um, there are a lot of console or PC experiences that work great on phones. Like um, the new XCOM games are fantastic on tablets or phones. Um, you can play FTL, which is one of the best games ever made on tablets or phones. So it depends on what games you have. And also, our opinion doesn't really matter because gaming is such a big market already that uh, gaming on phones, I mean. So... I I don't you know have any industry insight right now from like uh, from Samsung or Google or Apple about did gaming on handheld go up when people couldn't buy PCs or consoles I, I I'm not sure and I don't think we'll ever get that data if it does exist um but I I it's such a force and every day new hardware is coming out and I think in our lifetimes phones will be good enough to play 4K uh you know 60 or 120 fps it's we didn't think that would happen in console and it happened and mm. i think it would be a bit naive to assume it won't happen for handhelds um for phones especially with such a big market and with companies having so much incentive to push gaming on those platforms so i mean now relatively yeah. speaking the the price of um decent mobile hardware uh, is a lot better than it was a few years ago. I mean, you can pick up a a budget phone today that is comparable to the flagship flagship of a few years ago. Uh, I'm not saying that they will be on a on a point for point basis, but at least from computing power point of pers- uh, point of perspective, you you could say that they are comparable to the flagships of like five years ago, um, and that kind of that. TikTok of of movements uh, in terms of technology, I think that we are getting to a point where handheld devices, and we've seen this with the Switch, are becoming a lot more viable for for gaming. Um, and the smartphone, I think, will become possibly the next console type thing. Um, yeah. I don't think I'm not saying that PC gaming will disappear or console gaming will disappear, but I do think that mobile, like you say, Clinton, will reach a point where we're playing games at 4K 60 FPS. However, I also kind of want to go back to Robin's point about mobile games being incredibly predatory when it comes to microtransactions. Um, that's something that is kind of, it, it bled into the console and PC gaming space. Um, but I think there was a lot of vocal discourse around uh, microtransactions that kind of kept them in their place so to speak I'm not saying yeah. that the, the the place we are with microtransactions at the moment is good but it's far better than what we see on the mobile side of things where it's literally you have to pay to continue playing this game now, um, i just want to end off by saying this um for the longest time consoles uh had games that were optimized for their hardware because consoles were always slower and had less power than pc the developer said, okay, because we want to make money and sell on console, we have to put in extra work to optimize these games. And that's how it's always been, and that's how it still is to an extent. But now, because the consoles are so strong and so powerful, 
and they might not have parity with PC, but they're becoming close, consoles are becoming more like PCs, mm. right? And now developers want to sell stuff on phones, so now they're optimizing for phones. Mm. So consoles, uh, phones have already kind of become that underpowered big money maker for developers and publishers and now they're putting in that extra elbow grease to optimize the game so even if the hardware isn't on the on the standard of the consoles and pcs the code is develop, exactly the software is working for them so it's funny that the lessons we learned from consoles being less powerful for decades are now being applied to phones and we might see that consoles and pc kind of become one homogenous market in the eyes of these big companies and phones become the little underdog that absolutely pumps out money so uh to wrap up then um let, let, let's give our final thoughts if you were if somebody came up to you today and said to you guys um i want to buy some technology for christmas what would your advice be robin let's start with you uh, save the money. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> put it toward your bond on your house or something. Um, like we said, this the current situation isn't going to get any better for the next year or so, perhaps even longer. Um, I think you can get by with what hardware is available now. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm always going to err on the side of being more frugal. That's just in my nature. Um, so, yeah, I say save that money. Or just put it towards something more useful right now. Clinton? Uh, I'd say if you have something that plays games ready, just stick with it for as long as it lasts until all of this blows over. And if you've run out of games, look to other things. Look for games that are older that you might not have played. Mm. I don't want to use the emulation word because I'll get, <laughs> we'll get sued. Um, I'm just saying that emulation software exists that allows you to play a lot of old games for zero money. So I'll just put that out there. But if you are really jonesing to get new hardware to experience new games, then uh, I mentioned this earlier. I think the best way to use your money now is to get an Xbox Series X with Game Pass and play all the games on Game Pass. If you're not one of the people who has to have the new FIFA and the new Call of Duty, because that's what all your friends are playing, then the Xbox right now presents such an amazing value that it cannot be overlooked. And don't look past the Xbox Series S, the lower-powered one, because if you don't have a 1440p monitor and you don't have a 4K TV, don't buy hardware that is made for those displays. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's kind of common sense that has been... Overlooked. Well, not overlooked. It's been diluted by marketers telling you you need a big new screen. If you don't want to spend money on those new screens, look at the Series S. And the Series S has the benefit of you can get in your car and go buy it right now. Yeah. Um, and again, that is I, I, how much is that console? It's so cheap. Six grand. It's seven grand. Round so about. cheap. For Six ten grand. For ten thousand rand, you you could throw in an extra controller and two years of Game Pass. Yeah. You can't beat that value right now. It's amazing value. And like I said, because you're getting all your games through Game Pass and you're not buying them, you won't be locked into the ecosystem. So by the time where you have more money or the market is stabilized or you want to move on to different hardware, you can then make a better decision with your money and that each rand or each dollar can go further. So that's my buying advice right now. So my advice is be careful about how you spend your money. Look around, look at various online stores, set up alerts uh, for when there are sales on, especially for products that you are looking for. Put stuff into your wish list on places like Take-A-Lot um, and whichever online stores allow them. Um, and if you do, if you are serious about getting something like a PlayStation or a, an Xbox or a PC, start saving towards that. I know this is a, a silly argument that is probably being told by everybody's parents since they were young, but save up for it right now is not a good time to buy i think yeah. we can all agree on that uh, just settle the market right now. exactly whether you're a a console or pc gamer right now is not the time to buy especially and i know it's going to be difficult especially with black friday coming up festive season uh, sales coming up all of these things it makes it very very difficult and i mean retailers prey on that right they prey on you wanting to get 10 percent off and 
telling you that it's the last sale and a never-before-seen specials, stuff like that. Don't get conned by it. Set yourself a goal of what you want and start saving, putting money towards it. Like, I want a new graphics card. So what am I doing? I'm saving up. I've set a price on how much I'm willing to pay. And if the time comes that I can't afford something at that price, then I change my my my, my thoughts or move uh, or use the money for something else. So if technology is your game this, this December and this festive season, the shopping season upcoming, wait. Not worth yourself. going into debt for. Yeah, it's really not go- worth going into debt for, guys. Really, really not. Um, yeah, like Clinton says, if you have something that plays games, stick with it. If you have a previous gen Xbox, it still works. It still supports Game Pass. Keep using it. If you have a PlayStation 4, you can still play a hell of a lot of games on that platform. So, yeah. I think that's going to wrap it up from us for this week, though. Um, just be just just be frugal with your money, folks. Shop. Shop, 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 shop around. Shop around until you're sick of seeing the product. Um, but for myself, Brendan Lotz, thank you so much for joining us. Cheerio from Clinton Matos. Everybody. And from Robin Lee Chetty. Take care, everyone. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time.